This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 97, It Depends. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this episode, I've got some spinning, a little bit of knitting, a little tale for you about why it depends, and as a special treat, I have a brief interview with the spinning treasure, Maggie Casey. But we should kick this all off with some updates. I want to tell you a little bit about alpaca progress we got approval from our hoa to have alpaca on our property and we're super excited about that it took a whopping four days for them to review everything and provide us with approval i think that it's because i might have timed it like exactly perfectly to get to the committee which is hilarious because i submitted it about five or six days before like a general membership meeting where we elected new officials so i think that the outgoing committee wanted to like leave the incoming committee with no outstanding actions on their plate when they walked in the door so that was pretty cool it worked out in our favor as soon as we finish with all of the dirt work we will be bringing the alpaca home uh we're forecasting that in two to three weeks we should be able to get all the dirt work done and you know weather permitting and bring the boys home. I'm pretty excited. In addition, I want to give you a little summary of my experience at Estes Park Wool Market. First, in my opinion, the Estes Park Wool Market is not well named because it's so much more than a wool market, but really that's, it's like a festival. It's more than just a wool market. So I think the name is a little bit deceiving because like most of the festivals that I've been to, like in the days preceding the event, they have courses and workshops and stuff like that that you can take and during the primary days that are like open to the general public there is so much more than just a market going on there is animal demonstrations and fleece judging and a fleece sale and all of those sorts of things that go along with most of the other festivals that i've been to it is by far very small compared to maryland sheep and wool but then on the other end of the spectrum it is substantially larger than the black sheep gathering in Oregon. I thought it was just about right size and it was a I had a really really good time. One of the things that I found that I liked over Maryland sheep and wool was the way that they do their fleece judging. So at Maryland sheep and wool fleece judging takes place in the two days leading up to the event in private not open to the public And once the fleece are made available to the public, they're ready for sale. Estes Park, on the other hand, actually does public fleece judging. And you can actually attend the fleece judging, like all or part of it, and go sit and watch the judge go through all the fleeces and talk to you about them and how she's grading them and why she, he or she, this year it was a female, last year it was a male, and really educate you about breed standards and talk to you about in detail what they're looking for in a fleece standard it was pretty pretty fascinating i did not sit through all of the fleece judging but i did sit through part like four specific 
fleeces that maybe I might have been shopping for. For example, this year my target was to get a CVM. And if you're not familiar with that breed, it's a California Variegated Mutant. And that is a fleece I really hadn't had the opportunity to purchase. In the past, I do have one CVM cross in my in my collection of fleeces, but I really wanted a pure CVM to add to my stash. But that didn't happen this year. Unfortunately, it looks like the primary breeders in that area that entered the show and the sale um, had a very trying year. One of the breeders I know, she had a coyote attack in her flock and one of her sheep was very, really badly injured. But I think it the stress on the flock as a whole really did some damage to the quality of the fleece this year. So I'm definitely going to look that breeder up next year and hopefully the quality will be improved. Really, there was just some big time tender spots in the fleece when you, you know, dug through it and started tugging on rocks and things like that. So I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to spend that kind of money on a fleece that was damaged. And really the poor girl, I think her whole flock was damaged by that one incident. And that's pretty sad. But anyway, so I was interested in colored fleeces that were CVM. So I went and I watched the judging for that portion, which made me very happy that I was able to actually sit down, hear the judge talk about the brand and the color and all that stuff, which is something you I had never had the opportunity to do before at any of the other events I'd attended. So that was really, really cool. I also attended a workshop and those were really well organized and very well held and they fed us, which is something I hadn't actually experienced at past events. Like I took one at Maryland Sheep and Wool, but they didn't feed you. I took a two-day workshop at Maryland Sheep and Wool and they did not feed you at the event, which is unfortunate because there really aren't like restaurants or fast food or anything like that close to the venue at Maryland Sheep and Wool where you could feed yourself very easily unless you packed your lunch or what have you. I really enjoyed that aspect of Estes Park. In addition, this is one of those events I think that if you have people in your family that are in no way interested in fibery goodness or fleece events or, you know, the whole sheep and wool event kind of atmosphere, that you could still bring them to Estes Park and they would have a great time. Because Estes Park in Colorado, the city is home to a, a really lovely entrance to a beautiful national park and it's wonderful. There's a beautiful entrance and grounds at, for part of the um, Rocky Mountain National Park there in Estes Park. So there's a lot of outdoorsy stuff that you can do and camping and all sorts of just beautiful, wonderful things that you can see in the area. So you could be getting your sheep and wool on while the family is out fishing or hiking or mountain biking or just sitting by the campfire or what have you. And it's definitely one of those things where you could have a family getaway in conjunction with a fiber event. So it's pretty awesome. So I'm definitely going to try to convince Itty Bitty and the boy to go with me next year because they weren't having it this year. But when I came back with pictures of the national park and things like that, they were pretty excited. And pictures from where some of my Nick girls stayed, their campsites were pretty amazing. And the view was amazing. And we saw elk. I hear there were bear. I did not see any bear. And if you go up a little bit more northerly into the park, the possibility of seeing moose is pretty high. So that's a really cool experience that you could have with the family in conjunction with a sheep and wool event. So I thought that was pretty, pretty fantastic. 
and I am definitely going to become a regular attendee of the Estes Park Wool Market. And that is about all I've got this time around in updates, so I guess it's time to get this podcast started. In this episode, I am all spun up about the class that I took with Maggie Casey. I'm really sorry in advance if you were not a spinner, but this is a very Maggie Casey and spinning heavy episode. But that's okay because it applies to all of us, I think. One of the biggest lessons I learned in the workshop with Maggie Casey is that no matter how advanced or confident you are in your skills, you can always grow so much and learn so much more gaining perspective from someone who has different experiences than you and particularly from someone who started spinning in the previous century like she liked to tell us so if you are not familiar maggie casey is well she's a treasure of colorado she is part owner of a shop in boulder colorado and she is author of well one of her most famous books is start spinning by maggie casey i believe it was published by interweave press in 2008 and it is currently out of print, but you can still find used copies of the book. A handful of online sellers still have copies of it, but you can get digital versions of the publication online. So that's pretty cool. So I'm spun up because spending six hours a day for two days with Maggie in a classroom behind my wheel, learning all about fiber preparation techniques, I think has really motivated me to do more and go further with my spinning than I have in the past. I think I was intimidated by things like hand cards and combs in the past, but no longer. I feel that I can confidently work my way through processing post-wash. We didn't do any fleece washing. Uh, processing fiber and working it into different preparations for spinning. And that is just fantastic. So this episode is actually entitled it depends because a lot of her students during that during that class there were eight of us asked questions and 95 percent of the time her answer was it depends kind of seems like a cop-out on the surface but the greatest part about what maggie casey did was she would tell us it depends and then she would give us some illustrations about what it depends on for example if someone would ask hey what is this kind of fleece good for her answer would be it depends if you want to use that fleece for x then this is how you would prepare it if you want to use that fleece for y then you should blend it with blah 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 and so she was an amazing instructor in that way she was very warm and welcoming so knowledgeable by the end of the two days okay by the end of the first day i was calling her aunt maggie because she was like that wise family member that you know you could get trusted and sage advice from and she wouldn't steer you wrong like there were all of these little things that i was like smacking my head going duh how did i not figure that out on my own but it was amazing and wonderful to have that opportunity to spend time with her so i'm all spun up about all of the things that i learned from maggie casey and i couldn't possibly share them all with you here but what i would like to share with you is this if you have the chance to take a workshop with maggie casey do it in addition if you have the opportunity to take a workshop with any spinner i think you should do it because we will all grow and learn and build upon this craft by advancing ourselves and working into things that we never thought we would so that my friends is what has me all spun up All right, and now it's on to spinning my wheels. 
I have been relatively productive and I'm pretty proud of myself. Most of the time I've spent over the last, well, since the last episode has been spinning. So I haven't finished anything. So I took that course and I learned a lot of stuff and that was awesome. So I really spent like two days spinning and not doing a whole lot of anything else. I was like so exhausted by the time the days were done that really all I did was like eat, drink a little (laughs) and hang out with friends of mine. So that was pretty cool. At least I got to hang out with friends of mine, right? So I am like a few little 15 minute sessions away from finishing spinning my alpaca. That is the second of two alpaca bumps that I got from my mom that I am spinning on my Louet S45 and thoroughly enjoying. I'm almost done and absolutely 100%. By the time I get to the next episode, it will be plied and set and I will be trying to figure out what I'm going to knit with it. Okay, and now in knitting, I haven't gotten much further. I didn't finish anything. Like I thought I was going to be the power knitter, like that really ever happens with me. I'm not very speedy. We all know that. I'm kind of slow. Thank goodness I don't record every week or I'd be telling you like nothing has happened in terms of progress, right? So every two weeks really does come along and help me out in that respect. In the previous episode, I had cast on two pair of socks and was feverishly working on those. And I I don't want to say that I haven't done a whole lot on them but I'm certainly not as far as I would like to be. So what I have is four finished legs and I am ready to turn the heel on those because they are both two separate top-down sock patterns. The one, of course, that I have never knit before that I am, oh my gosh, so thoroughly enjoying is Hermione's Everyday Sock. That is even better than the Jack Socks was. It may just be because I'm on my fourth, knitting my fourth pair of Jack Socks in a row, but that is just definitely not as rewarding as the Hermione's Everyday Sock. It is really fantastic and I'm thoroughly enjoying it and speeding right through. Like I have, so two full legs and I've already got a heel flap on one done and I will finish a heel flap on the other one probably tonight, which is cool. I'd like to think that I'm actually done with the legs of the boys' jack socks, but he's got big feet and I don't even think I've got six inches And because he's a dude, I'm probably going to have to do like another two inches on those, maybe one to two, maybe seven or eight inch legs on those for those to be finished and for me to be ready to turn the heel on those. Um, So I'm not sure if I mentioned it. I may have, but I'm knitting those in Peyton's Croy sock and I've knit with Peyton's Croy sock before, but this colorway is called flax because it is the color of flax, which is not bad. It's a great manly color, but it kind of feels like it was made out of flax. And I hadn't experienced that with any of the previous colorways. And because I'm smart and I knew it was a a color that the boy would like when I purchased it, thankfully, I bought three balls, three 50 gram balls from, you know, name your random box store. It was probably Michael's or Joann's like a bajillion years ago. But I do have three balls of that because there's absolutely no way with his big old honking feet that I would be able to finish it with eight inch legs plus the foot in just two balls. So I'm pretty happy that I was wise when I purchased that yarn. So those are all coming along and progressing pretty well. It's just all the other stuff, right? So I want to finish the eco vest that I cast on and haven't done anything else with. And I also would like to 
knit a sweater for myself or at least start one that would be pretty cool i'm trying to pick a pattern there is a free pattern by isabel kramer that i would like to start i can't think of what it is off the top of my head but she uses like a knit in saddle shoulder that i haven't used in the past actually i've never done any kind of saddle shoulder probably because i don't like to seam <laughs> at all so this whole concept of a knit in or contiguous saddle shoulder kind of makes me happy so i'm going to try that and i have the perfect yarn and i just have to make sure before i like you know make any declarations about whether or not i'm going to use it i need to make sure well i'm pretty sure that it's there's more than enough i just need to make sure it's the appropriate weight for the pattern that i have selected so i will definitely link to that isabel kramer free pattern in the show notes so that you guys can go over there and take a look it's a pretty plain pattern but just the whole construction is what has got me interested in knitting that one so i'm pretty stoked about that all right it looks like that's all i've got in spinning my wheels this edition of spin a tale features my interview with maggie casey as i mentioned before maggie casey is a highly experienced spinner who has been spinning since the last century. She is also author of the book Start Spinning, which for me and probably many of you was the first spinning book I ever purchased. And spending time with her and talking to her has made me want to go back and read the book again to see what else I may be able to glean from her knowledge. A very special thanks out to Maggie Casey for pulling time away from your booth and from everyone else to spend about 15 minutes of your time with me. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you all enjoy this interview with Maggie. How did you start spinning? My first class was a drop spinning class. Okay. And I don't know why I decided to take it. I have no idea why. And it was a disaster. <laughs> it was uh, back in the last century. And the spindle was really heavy. I teach people how to spin on a fairly heavy, heavy drop spindle, but this one really was a boat anchor. <laughs> and, and it was comb talk. Okay. And it was before they invented park and draft. Oh, okay. So, it, you know, we were supposed to keep that, and it was a bottom world, where you had to bring the yarn up under the world. What you would do is you would take the yarn, put it under the, the point of the spindle in the back, over the bottom world, and then you would package on top. So it looked like it had a sail on it. Okay. Which, yep. if you are trying to then add twist to the, to the spindle, I was always getting my fingers caught in that knowing it was going to be angle. Yeah. Only later did I learn that you could spiral that yarn up and then do the half hitch, and it was yeah. a much more efficient way to spin. So I stopped spinning on the spindle because I couldn't do it. And I bought a wheel. Doesn't see that totally natural. Yeah, that's You can't yeah. do it on a small thing, so you go to a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And my first wheel was an Ashford Traditional. Okay. And one speed Ashford Traditional oh. that I bought from Barry Shaft. And okay. They owned the weaving shop. All right. Thanks. And at that time, there was not the resources of the as far as spinning. I think the two books that I remember most, one of them was Betty Hockford's books, Spin, Spin, Spun, and Spin Spindles. Okay. And the other book was Spinning um, Paula Simmons. 
Okay. Yeah. So they are, as spinners, they were about as far apart as you could possibly mm-hmm. be. To me, it was lovely because it gave me a lot of leeway as far as I wanted to go. Fill in the yeah. middle, yeah. And I did not immediately have a group. And I think that's so important. You can have a group of okay. spinners to be with. One, you're going to learn from each other, and two, you've got that support. Because no matter how kind you're, your family is, they are not going to understand. No, not in the least. Why, why you are doing that? <laughs> Instead of paying attention to them. But so when I when I joined the group, I found out that you know that tension knob is actually used. The, the brake band, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you tightened it, you didn't get such snarling muscles. <laughs> and then I started taking classes, and yeah. then, then my spinning skills just speeded up enormously. Do you still love spinning as much as you did when it clicked more. for you? More, more, okay, more. I think there was a time where I thought I actually knew a whole lot about spinning, you know, where I kind of. I won't say knew it all, but I felt I was really accomplished. Okay. The more I explore things, the more I realize there's so much more to learn, and the, the nuances yeah. are, are the best part. It's like with uh, the fleece judge right now yeah. that, that we were listening to. I'm standing there learning things that I had never thought of, and I can't wait to go home and start looking at my pieces in a very different way. Do you think that's one of the most important things that a spinner who's beginning or is, wants to go to the next level can do, continue to learn? Yes. I think if you stop learning, you might as well be a six-foot hole. <laughs> I mean, that's, isn't that the main reason, one of the main reasons in life is to keep learning? Yeah. So resources. We've talked, we've talked a little bit about the people around you. Mm-hmm. What else would you recommend for people to do who want to do My more with this? My favorite thing, and I... I have a soapbox, and that is using your yarn. Okay. Spin some yarn and then use it. What I would do, though, is I would figure out what I wanted to do and then try to come up with a yarn that I think I would that would work best. Okay. And the spinner study group on Facebook a while ago had a, they had a question. Do you spin for a project or do you, or do you spin for pleasure? And I thought that was just the weirdest question in the world because to me, spinning for a project is the most pleasurable to do because you've got the planning part. Yeah. And then you get to, to play and see how you can come up with it. And then you get to actually make the project. You get to see how your name comes up. And you really, I don't know, as far as spinning, knowing if your yarn works is such an important thing. Yeah. In our, we have a spin group. Mm-hmm. And there are spinners in there who have never ever knit with their uh-huh. with their stuff. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, I didn't actually knit. It was probably five years after I started down the spinning road before I actually knit with any of my hands spun. I felt I had enough, con- like, yeah, that's that's yarn. Yeah, right. that's usable yarn. So I had a lot of basket yarn. Basket yes. yarn is <laughs> yarn you put in a basket. Yes. But then I had to learn how. I then I taught myself how to make baskets, and now I, I also teach basket classes because I didn't want to put my yarn in a laundry basket. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little sideways. But then I don't don't do baskets very no. very often anymore, just because I'm finding more more spinning questions to be answered. 
or investigating. It's probably good forever. You're good. So, is there anything else you'd like to pass on to that next generation? Keep spinning. Keep spinning. Keep spinning. Use your yarn so you know that it's yarn that you wanted in that project. Thank you. Thank you, Aunt Maggie. I really appreciate <laughs> You're it. You're welcome. <laughs> You're the best. Again, thank you, Maggie. There is no way I could appropriately express my gratitude for everything that we learned from you and for all of the knowledge that you shared with us. Listeners, I will be sure to include a link to Maggie's book and a short bio of hers in the show notes so that you can all check her out if you don't know who she is already. Thanks again, Aunt Maggie. I really appreciate it. All right. So it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Thank you all so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate everyone who has gone over and given my little podcast a review so that more folks can find me again. And I also appreciate everybody who's been chiming in over on the podcast group on Ravelry. Thank you all for contributing to my day and to my happiness and for listening to me episode after episode. I really appreciate it. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at ajoyfulgirlknits at gmail.com. Catch me on Ravelry as a joyful girl. Catch me on Instagram as Forever Handmade. I am leading out this episode with a remake of the song Clocks by Coldplay. It is from a bluegrass tribute called Pickin' on Coldplay. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon.